Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome in to CHGO Bulls Post Game, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up and download that app. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. My guys, Big Dave Bow, BWL Sports, Mark Carazolas, MK Hoops on Twitter, our guy Joey Rock with us behind the scenes, operating everything, and we are on Twitter at CHGO underscore Bulls. Follow Joey on Twitter, too, by the way. He's at Joey Spathis. Question Gentlemen, that, that is a, a brutal one. The Bulls fall to the Atlanta Hawks. 123-122 is the final in overtime on the second night of a back-to-back. You thought Bogdanovich may have just given the Bulls a gift there, fouling DeMar. Operation one second on the clock, inbound play. DeMar steps up to the line. It's all three free throws after Derek Jones here was only able to split a pair to send the game to overtime. And then... A.J. Griffin, ridiculous, twisting, contorting, catch and shoot in midair with 0.5 on the clock, sinks the Bulls. I am broken right now. How are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, guys, guys, do you, do you, guys, if you, if you're quiet for a second, you, you'll hear that sound, that, that sound, that's the sound of an Atlanta Hawks steel toe boot kicking me square in the crotch. That shit sucked. <laughs> that sucked. But what sucked even more is I, I, I saw that play coming because I saw the Hawks do that play already this season, and it worked. You know the same thing. I mean the same exact play they they ran it this season with AJ Griffin and, and won the game. And you kind of saw it uh, when you saw all the players playing up. It well, very well put together. I'm not going to take anything away from the Hawks. Very well put together. Um, but you saw all the players playing up on the ball and them uh, looking like they were forcing action at the top of the key and doing all that stuff while just underneath, one-on-one, A.J. Griffin with Derrick Jones Jr. And as soon as I saw that, I said, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I was like, here it comes. And an excellent pass, excellent inbounds pass. And I mean, put it right there. And to do it over a guy like Derrick Jones Jr., who is not a stranger to being athletic and jumping and being tall and long, to do it over him, then, like you said, Matt, the twisting and the contorting with 0.5 seconds. I mean, it, it was impressive, but, yeah, it, it sucked, Mark. It sucked ass. It did. It did. Uh, and I guess the thing that the prevailing thought that I have in my head right now is we're, we're going to agonize over one possession here, which maybe we should. Maybe that's right. Obviously, the Bulls lost on that final possession, so fair enough. But at the same time, there were so many things they did wrong in that second and third quarter period to the point where they were down double digits, where if they don't do those things, then they probably should win this game in regulation anyway. So whilst it's annoying to lose on that singular play, and I'm sure we can discuss that singular play more in detail, but I don't know, like for me, I I don't want to just focus in on that one play because, okay, they lost on that play, but they also lost on a number of earlier possessions throughout the game whether it was, you know, overtime, the first overtime, 
uh, or sorry, yeah, yeah, or the overtime period itself, the fourth quarter period, like I said, in the second or third quarter, there was a lot of bonehead decisions through that period of play as well. But uh, yeah, it's disappointing because this was a really good opportunity. The, the, the Bulls would have, this would have been the, the Bulls' first uh, three-game winning streak of the season had they had they won it. They haven't won three games in a row all year. And I think that's part of the frustration that, you know, they win one, they lose two. They win two, they lose three or whatever the situation may be. Like we just haven't had a, a week or two where the Bulls have sort of won three or four on the road, you know, won five out of six or something like that. So that's, that's probably why we're all frustrated that we've just had to deal with this too often. Um, but yeah, look, uh, like I said, the, my prevailing thought at the moment is I know people want to crush maybe Billy for that, for, for his, uh, you know, the lineups or how they guarded that final possession. Maybe they want to crush Derek Jones Jr. for letting that possession go by in that sense. What, whatever the, whatever the, the, the comments are going nuts at the moment, but I'm sure we'll get to it. But, uh, I just think it would be remiss of us to just focus on, on that singular possession. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of people crushing Billy Dickens. Um, I just I, I agree of difficulty on that final possession. Credit to the Hawks. They executed it beautifully. But I don't understand what some of these Bulls fans in the comments are saying about like who you would have rather seen on the floor. Why was inbounder instead of in the – maybe somebody uh, would have wanted Drummond out there. I just – I, I mean – the Hawks executed a play for you, and there's not much you can do about it. I'm with you, Mark. The Bulls lost that game before overtime. The Bulls lost that game when they were play- playing like crap and carelessly turning the ball over a million. Uh, yeah, out. I mean, Matt, Matt's ahead. out. Uh, his internet dropped out, but I, I think that's a fair point. Like, and, and, I mean, there's a few people in the comments here. Let's 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 talk about this. But I mean, that, that's what everyone's talking about, Dave. Let's, we may as well just sure, focus in go. on this first possession first, and maybe we just hit the head, hit that one on the head first, get through that, and then we can talk through the other elements of the of this game. But in terms of like that final possession, I personally didn't have a lot of problems with how they guarded that or how they schemed it up. You noted it before, like that was a really good play design by the Atlanta Hawks, and and this is a thing that bothers me with more generally with analysis of the Bulls defense like it's it's always about what the Bulls aren't doing but never about what the other team is doing now in this situation we've got people in the comments here we've got people on Twitter that I've been reading the comments of people are going nuts here that the Bulls didn't have Andre Drummond in in on the game and then then my first thing is is like why should Andre Drummond be in the game like the the Hawks had five guards or wings out there what are you going to be doing in that situation are you really going to be putting Drummond on the court chasing around some sort of guy on, uh, around the screens. Now, if the, uh, the answer then is just to park Drummond at the rim, okay, but then why is he sort of... What, does he do a better job in, in that instance in protecting or, or manning up uh, AJ Griffin, the, uh, a better job than Derek Jones Jr. did? Uh, they had Vooch as the inbounder or the, the defender on the inbound to sort of to sway the pass. They're not going to put two centers out there to to against a smaller a smaller unit like that. So... I don't know, like, whilst we can analyze this from a Bulls perspective, at the same time, like, this was a really, really good play call from the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe the the Bulls could have done a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't believe so. I, I know, obviously, people feel differently. Maybe you feel differently, Dave. But uh, I, I think, like I said, people have a tendency to focus in on that self-possession, the final possession, because it, obviously that's the game-winning possession. But I, I don't really – I didn't personally have a lot of problems with it. It's just – you know, if you guard it better, then it doesn't matter what lineup you're out there. Uh, I've got more of an, an issue with how Derek Jones uh, Jr. guarded that specific lineup. Uh, sorry, that specific possession than the actual lineup itself. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, as far as the final play, again, for me, it was credit to the Hawks uh, for what they did. Because if you saw it before, it, when they first came out, they ran a totally different play. <laughs> so they they were trying to throw you off immediately. And then they called the timeout and ran the play that they really wanted to run. So I I thought that was really smart and really intelligent on their part. Secondly, again, like I said, they ran that play before. They knew how to execute it. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. They got just what they wanted. It was a perfect pass. It was right where he needed it. And, and he put it right in, right over uh, Derrick Jones Jr. No, I wouldn't have had Drummond in the game. No, you don't put Drummond in in, in the five, fourth quarter or overtime in the final possessions. That's that's not how it goes. Um, if you want to say you want to have him in on the inbounder, well, that's why Vooch was in the game. He, he is also very tall. And the person who was inbounding the ball was a guard. Again, they when 
they had Trey Young inbounding the ball. <laughs> I said that's not the play. There's no way on earth Trey Young is going to be inbounding uh, the ball on, on that possession, on that one. But um, again, like I said, the Hawks did a great, great job of disguising it and then bringing it out and then running the play that they really wanted to run. So they saw how the Bulls defense was set up, what they wanted to do, and then they went back and they executed and, and they won the game. For me, yeah, I can get we can get into um, those things they did wrong within the game for sure because it, it was definitely a part of the game. But for me, and this is just how I watch basketball, when you're doing all those things bad and you're doing all those things wrong, but you come back and you get your chance, get yourself a shot to win and put yourself in those positions. For me, that's where the, all the focus really goes right then and there. Those final three minutes, those times in the game, that's what I'm looking at. Because if they win, this is a whole different conversation. Yeah, they played bad. Yeah, they had 18, 19 turnovers. But DeMar DeRozan hits those threes and, you know, this is something we can grow on. So we don't we don't uh, penalize them as much for those things that they did earlier if they get those wins. But they didn't. And so, yeah, we can definitely get deep into it, though. Yeah. You're back with us, Matthew. Is, is the uh, the Internet all good, mate? Yeah, I'm I don't know what's going on. But on the phone? Yeah. I'm back. No, I just I just need to collect myself for another minute or two because I'm still freaking reeling from that finish god i yeah um I, I don't know about you guys but both of Derek jones's free throws and then all three of demar's i was standing in my living room like yes. this i could not watch didn't watch any of those five free throws i'm just i'm really upset um really upset great opportunity like mark said for what would have been their first real you know winning streak of the season um i i do not understand the the uh, rage that I see a lot in these comments so far about Billy. I, I mean, um, I don't know if while I was gone for a second, you guys talked about Zach. Should we talk about Zach? Because no, no we can talk about Zach. We can talk about Zach. You know, looked like he was getting off to a, a pretty decent start tonight. Got to the rim, uh, was knocking some shots down earlier, and then when you want your star players to step up, I saw some people talking about it in the comments. You know. Zach with a couple of maybe ill-advised uh, shot selection threes uh, at the start of that overtime period, and then went away from those and got to the rim uh, on on consecutive possessions um, and, and scored with ease at the rim, and then after that took another uh, you know deep three that you know I, uh, and also I believe what I think he had seven turnovers tonight, Zach Levine. It's yeah. just rough. You know, we, we want to see Zach rounding into form. We feel like in this last stretch of games, he has been rounding into form. He said there was not even a question of whether or not he would play tonight, the second night of a back-to-back, only the second back-to-back, you know, set of games he's played this season, dealing with recovering from that knee. You know, DeMar tried to be the hero for usual in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Big plays from some of your role guys, like Derek Jones Jr. grabbing that board, drawing the foul. Kobe White coming up with that huge steal late in the game. You want Zach to be a part of the Bulls winning that game, and he was sadly not. Yeah, they they needed more from him for sure. And it's kind of – DeMar did everything he could, but Zach needed to just do a little bit more. You know, those those threes, I liked one of them. (laughs) I didn't like the other two. Uh, I thought one of them was definitely okay to take, but the other two were just, no, bro, we don't need that shot right now, you know, and we got to get it out of his hands. And again, this is the issue for me when you don't have a point guard out there uh, or a true point guard, I should say, or somebody who can set up and handle the basketball or, you know, you just run the play and things like that. But Zach did other things throughout the game. Like I'm sure Marquet uh, will get into that. That was frustrating. Um, I thought he was a little more lackadaisical this game. Uh, I thought his passes were a little lazy this game. Um, I just didn't see him trying to, you know, impose his will as much uh, this game as I've seen him doing those previous ones. Um, the past, I just, I thought the passes were really just, just lazy on some of those things. Um, one of five from the three point line. He only got to the line three times. He didn't get to the line at all. Um, yeah, uh, last game, and maybe that's wearing on him as well. We saw that kind of last year. At the beginning of the season, uh, in those first early games, when he hurt his thumb and he was still, you know, getting fouled, we saw him getting frustrated and just start, you know, jacking up threes because he wasn't getting those calls when he was getting to the lane. And the refs aren't giving him those calls again uh, this year. I thought we were over this, but, you know, we're still here with that. But 
that shouldn't deter him from trying to, you know, be the best Zach Levine he could possibly be. Uh, overpassing on some things, I thought also, uh, you know, playing a little too up on certain players and was getting cooked. Uh, Bogdanovich was unreal as he usually is. Uh, the, he, that's one of those stuff. That's one of those times Dude. you really miss Alex Caruso because you're like that one that shot that Bogdanovich had from behind the backboard, falling yeah. out of bounds. The Larry what Bird. What the hell yes. is that? That yeah, that is the classic yeah. Larry Bird shot right there, and I was like, okay, yeah, he's been taking his athletic greens clearly, like he's been on point. But <laughs> but yeah, man, but Zach, he was just it was like that, you know what I mean? Like it was that kind of game mark for him where it just when it didn't go right, he kind of just disappeared and it affected his whole game. Yeah, I mean, it's look, Zach had bad possessions tonight. There's go, there's no getting around that. There was a couple couple of the threes that you you, you mentioned this, Dan. There was, a, there was a couple of threes that he took in overtime that weren't bad shots, but weren't great shots either. The first shot that I thought he took on in, in the first three point attempt, at least that he had, I thought was perfectly fine and reasonable. The the Hawks right. botched the switch. He was open, and, and I know the broadcast got him got on him for taking that. But we were early in the in the overtime period. He was open for three take the freaking three. Like, you, you need to take that three. So that was fine. The other two, yeah, okay, maybe they're not the best shots. So, yeah, Zach clearly had some bad possessions tonight. But this was his first back-to-back game he's played in a month. That's progress. He was also 9 of 16 from the field in this game. You know, the fact that he was efficient in his first back-to-back, that, that, that's, that to me is a sign of progress. He had the 41 last week. He had a really good game yesterday against the Mavs. He's starting to put it together. I think it's slowly coming together. Yes, there was possessions that were bad. I'm not, I'm not trying to discount that. Uh, but I think this needs to be a process for Zach. Like, he's not going to be back to a two-time all-star level player straight away. The, he's. I, I don't know why we just continuously ignore that. Not Maybe not us, but like maybe the fan base. Why we continuously ignore that this guy is coming back from a knee surgery. He's still getting his legs under him. And we're slowly, slowly starting to, to see it come together. I mean, the turnover thing, the decision-making thing, that's that's just going to be an issue with Zach more generally. He had the seven turnovers. Two of those turnovers weren't necessarily his fault. Still, that's five turnovers. So it's it's not good. I'm not trying to suggest that he, he played a good game tonight, but uh, I don't think he was as bad as maybe what some are suggesting here. Um, but yeah, obviously we, we would have liked uh, we would have liked them to pull this out. But like again, coming back to a point that I, I made a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not as critical about what they did in overtime or, you know, even the fourth quarter sort of thing. Like, I'm just still thinking about their defense in that first half, the way they were guarding pick and roll in that first half. They got diced up in that first half. That's mm-hmm. probably more the concerning part for me rather than what they did on that last possession or what they did in overtime or the shot selection over time. The way they guarded the, that Trey, Trey Young pick and roll in that first half was more concerning to me. I'm, I'm happy to go into more detail that a little bit later on as we work through all the issues that, um, that we have to get to tonight. But... Um, yeah, look, like I said, Zach had some bad plays. A lot of guys had bad plays tonight. This shouldn't have been a loss, but it was. It is what it is. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's dive into that. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's let's read a couple ads, and then we will uh, start up with that on the back end. Because um, I see we got a super chat from uh, one of our regulars, AK, about the Bulls' defense tonight. So we will jump right into that after some words from our friends and sponsors. While we're doing that, hit that thumbs up button if you're watching live along with us on the YouTubes. Green Ridge Farm, Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option, maker of all-natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. Perfect for tailgating. Join us at our CHGO Bears tailgates. Happy hour, school lunches, and with 16 grams of protein packed into every meat stick, they make a perfect post-workout snack. If you haven't tried them, you don't know what you're missing. They're delicious because they're made from recipes generations in the making. And being all natural, they deliver a fresh and flavorful alternative at snack time. You can always find these meat sticks and Green Ridge Farms variety of products in the refrigerated section of both Costco and Sam's Club, plus your local Chicagoland grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And right now, when you order any three meat products on their website, greenridgefarm.com, and include a pack of meat sticks in that order, those meat sticks will be free if you use promo code CHGO. One more time, that's greenridgefarm.com. Put any three of their products in your shopping cart, add a pack of meat sticks to your order, and those meat sticks will be free with promo code CHGO. Green Ridge Farm, get some meat stuff in your life. Mm. Guys, you know Matt Peck is really upset right now after that loss. He's not feeling great. There goes the hat. 
It has went flying. He's going to go grab that. But Matt is going to go to sleep. And when Matt wakes up in the morning, he's going to feel a little bit better. Do you know why? Because he's going to have those 75 high-quality vitamins, those minerals, those whole foods or superfoods, those probiotics and sweet God in heaven, the adaptogens. I'm talking about AG1, y'all. Talking about the athletic greens. Helps you start your day right. That special blend of ingredients that support your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and your aging. All the things you want to take care of. Costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than getting all them supplements yourself. You're investing that all-in-one nutritional insurance. You see him modeling it so well ah, in your face. Lifestyle-friendly, y'all, is vegan. Matt's holding something that's vegan. Matt's holding something that's dairy-free and gluten-free. That's my reputation. <laughs> He's holding something that contains less than one gram of sugar with no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. And it does all this while still tasting amazing. I know Matt has had it. Mark, have you gotten yours yet? Have we been able to get some out to you? Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, I've been through a number of them. Don't you worry about that. Holding it down all the way in Australia, the AG1 across the waters, man. Getting it right, y'all. So there's no excuse for you not to have yours, y'all. And to make it easier for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of that immune-supporting um, immune vitamin D and five of those free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Bulls. That's athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Bulls to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance because it's Athletic Greens. You scoop that, you dump that, you shake that, you drink that. What you do, pet? You feel that, baby. Uh, <laughs> yes. Ask me if I brought some of my travel packs to our little quick trip trip to Denver, Big Dave. Did you bring some of those travel packs with your quick trip to Denver, Matt? Oh, I did. <laughs> did you use them in the, the man morning? Converted. He's oh, I converted did. him, Dave. He's all in. He's all Love in. those travel One packs. One so little bit at a time, Mark K. <laughs> One little bit at a time. Uh, all right, Joey. Can we uh, can we get that super chat from AK uh, so we can dive into this bold uh, uh, defense conversation? Um, talking about the absences of Caruso uh, and, and Io. AK saying the value of Caruso to the team can't be overstated enough. His communication on defense and getting others in position was sorely missed. The second. Uh, the second is where we lost the game. We still uh, had our chances. Um, so, yeah, and, and like I, I tweeted something similar after one frustrating defensive possession that I watched somewhere in the middle of that game where the Bulls' rotations just seem worse when Caruso's not on the floor. And that makes sense because he's a very vocal defender. And it's like he's doing two things at once. He is – calling out defensive assignments to his teammates. And then when his teammates miss those assignments or miss those rotations, he individually is making up for it by guarding multiple people per possession and just being the incredible defensive player that Caruso is. So yes, not having him will hurt that. I thought the Bulls, just generally speaking earlier in tonight's game were pretty lethargic on defense. And so that's part of that element too. But on top of all of that is what you mentioned, Mark, a few minutes ago, which was like, you know, the, the Hawks have a really tricky pick and roll offense that, that's really, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Do you help on the roll man or do you stay on your man who's uh, drifting out to the perimeter to make sure you can contest and close out in time? The Bulls were definitely susceptible to a lot of that. It's a nice game. Yeah, definitely. And, and 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 as much as we can talk about the Bulls' defense and, and, and it being an issue at times, I think more often than not, it, it is good this season. It has been good this season. They're, they're, they were top 10 entering this game. To your point, like the, the Hawks' pick-and-roll setup is a really deadly one. You have Trey running, obviously running the pick-and-roll. He's one of the best passers in the NBA. You have two you know, fantastic dive men, two guys who can set really big screens and then can athletically play above the ring in uh, Kongwu and Kapala. Like that is just that alone is really difficult to guard. But then when you have Bogdan Bogdanovich on the weak side, uh, you know, es essentially flaring out to, as the shooting option on those pick and roll plays, the help guy on those possessions every single time when you have the role man is that opposite wing 
And it's typically Zach in this situation. He's the low man in this in that specific set. He needs to come over and help on the roll. If he does that, if he gets there in time, Trey whips that pass to Bogdan, Bo- uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich for the three. He, he had 14 attempts tonight from three-point line in large part mm. because of this scheme. If, mm. if Zach stays home on the shooter, because Bogdan is shooting 14 threes in this game, then the roll man has that open look at the rim. So it's 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 a pick your poison type thing, and obviously if you take away those two things, and you've got Trey on ball, Trey can score like like pretty much anyone else. Uh, he can, he averages thirty in this league, so it's a really tough setup. So yes, the Bulls could have done more to defend that particular set, but at the same time, you know, tip your hat, credit where it's due. The Hawks have a really devastating pick and roll combination. So from that sense, um, it, you know, whilst I'm I'm prepared to, you know. Uh, trash the ball some, to some degree on the, on the defensive side of things. I think at the same time, we need to respect the opponent at the same time. So, but like that, like I said before, like that to me is where they lost this game. They were getting carved up offensive on defense on that pick and roll in part because they weren't necessarily engaged, but in part because that, that particular set is really hard to guard. Then conversely, what the Hawks were really smartly doing on the other end was running some zone defense. The balls weren't, weren't necessarily ready for mm-hmm. that zone defense. They couldn't necessarily figure out their way through that zone defense. They couldn't get the ball in the post like they did against the Mavs because the, the zone defense takes that away. Obviously, the Bulls don't have a lot of shooting, which is why the Hawks went to that zone. They can't... Mm-hmm. I mean, you can shoot over a zone when you have shooters, but <laughs> obviously the Bulls don't. So it was a two-fold effect in that sense. And that's where this game was lost. Yeah, okay, they lost it ultimately on that final possession. But in that second quarter period, when the Bulls were up uh, by three points going into the second quarter, they got down by eight or ten points or whatever it was. That lead maintained itself deep into the third quarter. It's because of the pick and roll issues they were having on defense. And then conversely, they couldn't score on the zone. So to me, that's the real problem because these are sustainable issues. Derek Jones, you know, you know, stuffing up his defensive assignment there on, at the end, you, you, I don't think that's sustainable. He'll fix that going around next time around. Whereas how you guard, pick and roll, how you how you try to score on the zone, they're problems that are going to win you into the next game. So that's what I'm more concerned about. Hmm. And yeah, and I think also, I mean, well, one, not having not one, but two of your best on ball defenders going yeah. and out the game yeah. is going to affect that as well. So Alex yeah. Russo yeah. being out. And I.O. being out. And the I.O. one was concerning to me because one thing I know about I.O. is if I.O. tells you he's hurt, he's hurt. You know, like I.O.'s going to play. Like if he can get out there, he's going to play. You saw him try to come out there in the third quarter and he just couldn't go and he had to go back in. So I'm interested to to watch that and, and see how that goes. And again, I.O. went out in that second quarter, that quarter that Marquette is talking about. That's exactly when he went out the game. And yeah. Immediately, I texted my friend. I was like, "Watch everything change." I was like, "Watch Trey Young's whole game change right now, <laughs> right now." It's going to change, and you didn't see it points wise, but you definitely saw it as you say, Marque assist wise, and the execution of that that pick and roll they were running. And usually, when you're running something like that, you want to take away all you can really do is take try to take away one of those options. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You either take away the the guy with the ball, or the guy without the ball. That's all you can really do. And Trey Young you know, wasn't having his best game. But the thing about Trey Young is he's still Trey Young. So even yeah. if Trey Young is going 0 for 20, he's still a threat. Like, and and it's hard to take away from that. And you saw it on certain plays also, Marque, when when they run that pick and roll and, and Clint Capella, you know, ends up on DeMar DeRozan and boom, that's a quick alley-oop all day long, you know, and mm-hmm. you see it like that as well. So yeah, they were eating them alive uh, on that. And, but then at the same time, that's why I give credit to the Bulls too. Because even though they did that in the second quarter, they still found a way to get back in this basketball game and mm-hmm. get it down to the wire and have a chance to win it. Um, they had a shot to do it because they, they didn't have any business being in it because they were being out executed and were down by eight. But still, even getting down even further in the third quarter, but they still found a way to claw themselves uh, uh, right back in. But I do I – <laughs> I do want to say this to you, Marque, because I know you, you're the resident Billy defender, so I'm going to throw this one at you because I saw my man Rex Smith say this right now. And he said – he, he was also <laughs> talking about that second quarter. And he said yeah, we yeah. lost that. We lost that because we got killed in the second quarter and Billy is too stubborn to change up how we approach the second quarters, which are killing us and losing the game, sir. Do you, do you feel Billy is too stubborn? And that's why they couldn't get that right uh, rotation in the second quarter. I mean, that's a very – 
very high level general statement. I mean, what is he what is he getting wrong? I suppose in that second quarter, like it, it's it's one thing to say, okay, he's getting something wrong, but what is what is he getting wrong? Is it is it the the offense? Is it the defense? Is it the lineups, rotations? Like I need some more context there for to me to to be to, uh, to accurately respond to that one. But like this. I mean, the rotation itself was put into put it, put into an issue because obviously Caruso wasn't playing. Then you lose Io. Immediately, your point guard rotation is out the window. You had Javante in his first game back, probably on a minutes restriction. They didn't necessarily mm-hmm. tell us that, but obviously by the fact that he didn't necessarily play a lot tonight, you have mm-hmm. to assume he was on a a soft minutes res- restriction. They had Javante running, uh, you know, or defending Trey. You, that's obviously not the guy that you want uh, def- defending Trey from that perspective. Kobe was really good tonight. And then Billy ultimately yeah. stuck with Kobe because I thought he played a really good game at point guard. He did a lot of good things. If you wanted to trash Billy, like <laughs> Billy, Billy had that nice challenge. And that was a fantastic defensive play from Kobe. So I, I don't know, like more generally, like I don't, I don't know if I understand maybe why people want to crush Billy for the, the, that final possession and the way the, the, the teams schemed that up. I, I think I've got a pretty good defense for that. And I think the way they approached it is rational. But throughout the game, I didn't necessarily have a problem with anything Billy was doing. But generally, I don't. So maybe I'm biased mm-hmm. in that sense. But I don't know. If people want to give me some specifics, I'm more than happy to answer them. But I, in a general, as a general statement, I, I, I fundamentally don't don't agree. I guess. Well, and also, like I saw somebody in the comments mentioning, you know, like why have Kobe, you know, trying to you know d up Trey Young? Like, that's a rough match. Well, okay, what were Billy's options? You know, Caruso's out, Io goes down at halftime. And, you know, Big Dave, I know you are the one who most often and enthusiastically talks about when we see Kobe White at least, you know, give us some some passable defense uh, and then and when that's worthy of being pointed out and praised. I, like, And I saw Jeff Fox with a comment earlier saying, like, you know, uh, Kobe is the antithesis of Caruso, the anti-Caruso when we were talking about what everything Caruso does for his defense – I, I wanted to make a point that Kobe made the defensive play of the game tonight. That steal, and then good on Billy for using that challenge and winning that challenge. Kobe made the defensive play of the game, and Kobe is also in this recent stretch of games and playing better defense. And also, he played more minutes tonight because you didn't have Caruso out of the gate. Kobe is uh, – er, and then Io goes down, can't come back at halftime. And then even just from a general rotation standpoint, as Mark just pointed out, you know, you, you only have a, what, 70% healthy Javante, who Billy was probably hesitant to play too many minutes tonight. Um, also, Goran Dragic is a million years old and can't play that many minutes. Like, I thought that Kobe was put in a tough spot tonight, and I thought for the most part he did well uh, on the defensive end. Also was the only person in a Bulls uniform who could knock down a three tonight and good on him for that. Bouncing back going all of five. Um, you know, to, to the greater talk about differently tonight. I mean, I, I think you're right to point out, Mark, that Hawks team showed the Bulls a lot um, with the different ways that they, you know, uh, defended. They did throw the, the zone at them. And then sometimes like, even within a possession or possession by possession, they would switch back and forth from playing zone to playing man. And it's hard to Mm -hmm. adjust to that in real time. But most importantly, when they are playing zone, like you said, if you don't have the shooters to shoot over a zone, how do you beat it? And that's when you see the Bulls just offense ground to a halt because all they can do is either Zach or DeMar trying to beat a zone with some kind of ISO shot or maybe a drive to the basket. And it was ugly. But credit to the Hawks because that was a solid defensive strategy that worked. To me, that is not Billy doing poorly as a coach because you got to get around that. That is Billy as a coach does not have the personnel that is needed to beat a well-executed defense that's throwing a look at you that offensively you don't have the pieces to beat it. Yeah, and look, we've got a couple of people in the comments asking where where was Patrick Williams? Patrick only played 25 minutes in, in a 53-minute game. Obviously, this one went into OT. Um, but, like, why should have Patrick Williams been in the game? Like, he was very hesitant tonight. This wasn't the pat that we saw from yeah. last night against the Mavs where he was launching those threes. I counted at least four three-point attempts that yes. Pat didn't put up. And like we talked yeah. about before, like, the, mm-hmm. when the, the, the Hawks are zoning up, you – you 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 got to get to that corner and you got to fire those threes because that's a shot that the zone can typically give up. Like once you break down a zone, they're going to pack into that paint, and a corner three is a shot that's going to be there for you. 
There was a couple of occasions when Pat didn't take that shot. There was a couple of occasions where Kobe did take that shot. Kobe made those shots. So from that perspective, Pat wasn't engaged from that point of view. He was very hesitant. There was a couple of possessions where he was sort of grabbing and going off the rebound and was very tentative or was very keen to just get the ball away from him and, and sort of forcing turnovers from that perspective. I don't know. I just didn't feel like Pat was really in, involved in this game. And then more generally... You had Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench. He was just fantastic off the bench. Six or seven off the field, bringing that energy. Three blocks, two steals for Derek Jones Jr. Like, why should have Pat been in the game? You 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 need another guard out there, which is Kobe. You're gonna have Zach and Levine out. Uh, sorry, Zach and Demar out there. So where's where's Pat playing? Are you playing Pat at, at power uh, at center with Vooch off the court? Like, I don't know. I guess think 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 these through these things through, guys, because there was just not a there wasn't any space for Pat there tonight. Maybe they would have been if he was more aggressive and, and not hesitant. And, but like that was ultimately what he was delivering. So why should have Billy played him? He shouldn't have. Pat just didn't bring it tonight, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the bottom line. I, I completely agree with that. Um, like you said, Mark, like four of those things, four of those threes were just hesitant. That shot clock violation was on him. Like I was sitting at my yeah. house rewinding it and just like I'm freaking Hubie Brown, just and, and talking to my beautiful mother. Like, she don't care what I'm talking about, but I'm breaking down why Pat should be taking this shot and why is he making this pass? He's wide open. You know what I mean? Like, because I was so frustrated. Like, no, bro, that is your shot. Like, you not – it was it was not knowing, you know, the time on the clock and also just being hesitant at the same time, you know? He didn't have shooting on his mind at all, and he yeah. didn't know the time on the clock, and that's, that's part of that frustration. But, yeah, he did that kind of all game, and it was – a little frustrated because he started the game. I thought, right, like they went to him in the post, and I freaked out. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh hell yes, like mm-hmm. this is what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is yes, this is yes. I was super excited to see that because they hadn't done that a lot uh, this season, and I think he has a really solid game down there because he's not a great dribbler, but he can give you one or two and get himself free because he jumps really high and he's really big, so he can get himself open uh, on some of those shots. And also, you know, hanging out with DeMar, you know, you learn a couple of those tricks and things like that. But I I was excited to see that and thought he would take more threes. But when he was started missing, I think his first three he missed. When he missed those, then it's like his confidence just kind of went away and he got a little more lackadaisical and he did, lost focus a lot. And then he started getting those offensive foul calls, setting those screens. Then those things started occurring and it just started, you know, going downhill from him. So Marquez is right, like, when Derek Jones Jr. came in, it changed everything. It was like, okay, well, yeah, we're rolling with you because obviously you're a little bit more engaged. You know, you're you're not a great three point shooter, but there was no hesitancy in Derek Jones Jr. for taking those threes when when it was in the right rhythm within the flow of the game. So yeah, that's that's why he was in the over Pat. Um, yeah, yeah. Ostas Jr. in the comments said Pat not being in these games late. Just makes me believe he's not that guy. Rob saying that he thinks the Pat hate is uh, a little over the top. Um, somebody else just mentioning, you know, there's no way that Pat hate, grabs the offensive rebound that Derek Jones Jr. did late in that game to get it to OT with Derek's free throw. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, I think that might be part of a bigger like concept that we've discussed with Io and Pat, the two young guys in the starting lineup and mentally where they are with their confidence as NBA players. Uh, because obviously, you know, Io back in the starting lineup tonight with no Caruso. And you've said, you know, many times, Dave, you're never worried about Io and his, men, you know, his mentality, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, he will adapt to the role that he is being asked to play. And he will play that role. Whereas Pat, is he starting? Is he coming off the bench? Is there a confidence issue? Does he believe in what, what his role is on this team? And does he embrace that role? Does he try to, you know, increase what that role is with the belief in his own game? And that maybe that mentality is different from where Ios is. And that's why, you know, you mentioned the, like an early game hiccup that kind of throws Pat off because you know, I somebody else just mentioned in the comments, Pat was off to a good start tonight. You mentioned that he had a good look in the post. He knocked mm-hmm. down like a tough little like midi baseline mid-range shot. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like I made note of this on Twitter. There were a couple of Bulls defensive possessions uh, consecutively where Pat just went up and grabbed monster contested defensive boards and then put the ball on the floor and initiated the offense himself. And on one of those he made an ill-advised pass trying to bring the trying to get the ball out to Zach on the wing. 
and it yeah. ended up being a turnover. Like Zach had to come back and readjust uh, to control the pass and then ended up traveling right after that. And it was kind of on pack because it was not a great pass to make. It wasn't a smart pass to make. But I love the fact that on consecutive defensive possessions, Pat used his size to box out his guy and grab a contested board and then initiate the offense. How often do we talk about wanting to see Pat be more involved in the offense by grabbing a board and going? And he did that on two straight possessions, but one of them results in a turnover. And then I feel like I never saw Pat again after that. And it's like, is it really that simple for Pat to go from being engaged in a game and doing good things in a game to crap, I made a mistake, I'm checking out, I got nothing tonight? Because that's if that's the case, that's really frustrating. You you know it what? Is. And, and and sorry, Dave, I was just gonna say, like, I, I just want to address this comment like that that we're hating on Pat. Like we're not. Mm-hmm. Like this no. isn't hate. This is just being reflective of actually what's happening. I would love it for Patrick Williams to come into this game and grab the game by the freaking balls like he did on that first possession where he had that really nice um, mid-range uh, jumper out of the post. He was really good last night. When he was, we said he was. Every time Pat is good, we say he is. When he doesn't bring it, we're going to call it how we see it. Like That's just being us being fair and objective. Apologies if that annoys you, but that's not hate. But... There was possessions tonight where, like I said, Pat was just too unselfish, too a fault. I love that aspect of Pat, the fact that he is unselfish. He's the ultimate team guy. That's why I'm very confident at a baseline level, this guy is going to be a very good role player because he does things for the team every single time. But there is a line where he crosses too often, where he's too unselfish to the point where it hurts this team whether it's turning down shots, whether it's not being confident in his own dribble drive game, whether it's not being confident in his jump or whatever the situation may be. Like we can point to different things, but there's aspects where I feel like I think Patrick Williams is better than what Patrick Williams thinks he he is of himself. Mm. And that's frustrating. I shouldn't be asking or begging Pat to believe in himself. I shouldn't have more belief in Pat than Pat has in himself. Like that's my issue with Pat. So that's not hate. Uh, in, In some senses, I just wish he kind of, felt the way I did about him or, or, or you know, the fan base more generally. Obviously, we, we see a lot of things in Pat and, and we do so because the, the flashes are there. But I just question if he, if he really believes that in himself. And, and Matt, you spoke about his mentality. Like, I never had any doubt about Ayo going to the bench because whatever Ayo is going to be in this league, whatever his ceiling is, he's going to make it because I just don't question his mentality at all. Whereas with Pat, I have no idea what this dude is going to be. I don't know if he knows what he's going to be because it just seemingly, mentally at least, he's just questioning himself too much. You can see that. It's very visible. Like Compare this game to last game. Polar opposites. So we're not hating on Pat. We're just being fair. And apologies if you disagree with that, but it's just the truth. Sorry. Yeah, those are facts. And, and I just want this, just reading the Bulls' comments and things like that, Patrick Williams is kind of like Bulls Nation. Like, it's either all or it's nothing. Like, <laughs> and Marquet is and I and and Matt, we're we're trying to find the middle ground. You know what I mean? We want Pat to find that middle ground to where where Kobe has found his middle ground. Like remember how Kobe would miss those shots, and then that was it. You know that was he was done. You know what I mean? Like it was over for Kobe White. He, he wasn't gonna do anything else. It's not like that anymore. You saw him miss a bunch of threes in this game, but he hit the key three pointer to tie that game. You know what I'm saying? To give them that opportunity and then makes a defensive play. Now, that's going to come with repetition in time. I get all that. But I feel like I look at the comments and it's either, man, Patrick Williams, is why wasn't he on the floor? He's the best defender we got. Or it's, dude is the worst player in the world. Why is he still on his team? With You got to have a middle ground with him. And that's why I want Patrick to have as well. Like Patrick is either, man, I'm having this great game. I'm dropping 17 points. Or, oh, man, I've made these three turnovers and this, and this offensive foul. I'm out the game. Like, he has to find that middle ground within himself as well. And, yeah, man, like, I, I still roll with him because I, I mm-hmm. see something there. There's something there. Like, it is. You're, you have to be blind not to think something wasn't there. Will it come to fruition? That's up to him, like Marquez said. That's, that's on him if, if he wants to do that. But I'm going to keep believing him. I'm still rolling with him, man. I think he's got it. I really do. But. It's got to come out at some point in time, and I just want it to get to a point where it's consistent for him. That's uh, didn't, doesn't that sound like a Beauty and the Beast song? Aren't those the lyrics to Beauty and the Beast song? There's something there that wasn't there before. Oh, not I, I went all I know from Beauty and the Beast is I can show you the world. 
That's Aladdin, Dave. <laughs> oh shit! That I'm wrong. The wrong movie Disney wrong. movie. Oh my Bobby goodness! Beauty and the Beast. Tale as old as time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm so, back on track. <laughs> you see? You see? I found my middle songs. ground. They're, it's, no, it's, it's the song where Belle and the Beast are starting to realize their feelings for one another. And there's something about there's, yeah. there's something there that wasn't there before. I got to rewatch Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, also, sp- speaking of movies and people falling in love with movies, that Mark monologue about Pat just now just like had like late in the movie monologue from a rom-com written all over it. It's like, I just, I see these things in Pat, but he doesn't see them in himself. I just want you to see all the good in you that I see. It was so good. We need, we need a Mark K and Pat Williams uh, rom-com coming fall 2023. What a riveting um, viewing that would be. What yeah. Also, it was in the middle of a discussion of something completely different, but I couldn't let that Kendrick comment that Joey threw up there about Caruso go without calling it out. Kendrick might be new here, but he said, you guys really want Caruso playing 30 minutes a night, scoring five points a game, 20 minutes tops. Uh, Kendrick, have you taken a look to see which Bulls player has the best plus minus on this entire roster by far? Despite five points a game, because it's Alex Caruso. Hey, you you remember I was just talking about how it's no middle ground? Like, looking at these comments about my saga also, because they're like, dude, that was the big L. You got a big L on that one. And then another person's like, Dave, Dave, you got some golden pipes. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground at all with Bulls Nation. It's all or nothing, baby, and I love y'all for it. No, man. <laughs> you just you just mixing up uh show you the world from Aladdin with Beauty yeah. and Beast. But I got right back on track. <laughs> yeah, right back on track. Uh speaking of back on track, we gotta take our second quick ad break here while we're doing that. Hit that thumbs up button. When we come back, I know we've got a couple more super chats that we gotta get to. So Joey, get those queued up for us. And Dave, yep. tell us who else is sponsoring tonight's postgame. That would be Calm Ed. Turn off the lights. Yes, Teddy P. The Calm Ed Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. Calm Ed offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial industrial and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights, which is something I have definitely done. Learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facility's energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor and outdoor lighting, network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than ever before. So visit comed.com slash shop, powering biz, B-I-Z, now and start saving money and energy. To start a project, contact ComEd at 1-855-433-2700. And for more information, email business E-E at comed.com or public sector ee at comed.com. Tonight's episode of Postgame also brought to you guys by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook, king of the game tonight. I was flirting earlier in the night with giving it to Drummond, who had a monster game off the bench, but then we didn't see much from him down the stretch. It's got to be DeMar DeRozan whose three free throws almost won the Bulls this game. He finishes with 31, his ninth 30-point game of the season for the Bulls. There you see 14 of 15 at the charity stripe, 13 boards, and also dished out eight assists. DeMar DeRozan is your DraftKings Sportsbook king of the game. Don't forget to be having all that fun and winning all that money, winning big when you combine bets together with those DraftKings, stepped-up same-game parlays, bigger odds, and bigger payouts. Plus, if you use promo code CHGO when you sign up, you can take advantage of that incredible offer of a $5 money line bet on any NBA game, and you will win $150 in free bets if your team wins. So while we're all getting excited about the holiday season and giving gifts and getting gifts, give yourself the gift of signing up at DraftKings Sportsbook if you haven't already, and don't forget to do so with promo code CHGO. 
Oh. Yeah. Hey, Matt, I know another gift that we can give. What's that? And that's seeing y'all Friday, December 16th, baby. Come hang out with us. The official CHGO Bulls take over. Bulls, Knicks, Matt, Big Dave, you, drinks, bus, tickets, food, (laughs) yelling, hopefully winning, and more yelling. And then joining Marquette and more yelling and fun. All this is going to be happening, y'all. Friday, December 16th. Come hang out with us. Party starts at Crossroads. I promise you, I got drinks for y'all, man. Come holler at me. I got you. It's going to be a good time, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. Okay, wait. Are you going to be uh, a guest bartender at Crossroads, Dave? Uh, oh, man. Do we get my Tom Cruise on, boy? <laughs> Cocktail, man. I'm, hey, I studied up. I'm going to be ready. I can't drink it, so I might as well serve it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you see our guy, Joey, through the link to our Eventbrite site for this Ichio Bulls takeover in the comments. Hit that link. Grab yourself some tickets. Bring your friends. Bring whoever. But most importantly, bring yourself, diehard Bulls fan out there watching our show, because we will be there. We want to hang out with you before a Bulls game, during a Bulls game. Join us for our takeover this coming Friday, December 16th. Uh, All right, Joey, uh, I feel like I saw some other Super Chats earlier tonight that popped up that we haven't gotten to yet. If there are any of them in there, you can throw them up because we got to get some super chats. AK saying the Bulls didn't capitalize on mismatches. Trey on Vooch. Good teams expose mismatches. Okay, I, I do know that this Bulls fan base is frustrated at times when the Bulls offensively do not take advantage of mismatches, and there is some validity to that. I don't know about you guys. I didn't see a whole lot of Trey on Vooch. Like, maybe there was one or maybe two occasions where that happened and they didn't get Vooch the ball. But to me, that wasn't like a recurring problem for the Bulls offensively tonight, unless I missed that. Did, I mean, did that happen? No. In the fourth quarter, I saw it happen twice. and But okay. outside of that, no. <laughs> outside of that, it wasn't a thing. But, yeah, he, yeah. he got matched up on Trey. Oh, Trey, you know, got caught on him on the switch, and Zach didn't get him the ball or something like that. But it, it wasn't a common theme throughout the night or anything like that. Yeah, it wasn't egregious, and and more more often than not, it was a, a hawk center guarding Vooch. Yes, there was a couple of times when Trey got switched onto Vooch. Vooch was at the perimeter at that point, so if you want to expose that switch, then you need Vooch to go into the into the post. Vooch didn't go into the post on a couple of those possessions, so kind of hard to 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 take advantage of that anyway. Yeah, maybe there was a couple of other possessions in the post, but I didn't think it was necessarily egregious. But like I said before, part of the way the, the Hawks were defending the Bulls tonight was to throw the zone out there really hard to to be a post a post player against the zone we saw with mb going nuts the other night, night against the lakers one of what they what they went to in that instance when Embiid was going crazy was the zone because you could have two three guys around the post player in a zone defense so this just wasn't a matchup or, or the way the, the hawks were defending tonight wasn't really an, a, a game to really feed vooch in the post which was disappointing in a sense because what the bulls did really well against the mavericks last night was use vooch in the post as that passing hub but Different, different team, different schemes uh, wasn't an option really tonight. So I didn't, I didn't think it was much of a problem, but nonetheless, I uh, appreciate AK and his constant support in the Super Chats. Uh, we certainly recognize that from our perspective. For sure, for sure. Manuel also with the Super Chat saying, honestly, I'm sad they lost, but they kept fighting. And that's what I really look, uh, uh, look for. DeMar won't take an L for an answer. Um, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I was worried that he was going to split or not split, but sink two of those three free throws and we were going to go to double OT. Because I don't know what it is with the Bulls and the Hawks, but they freaking love going to overtime and multiple overtimes <laughs> when they play each other. Drive me crazy. Um, I mean, man, if Derek Jones Jr. just sinks both of those, mm-hmm. I, ah, so frustrating. Um, but, just- you know, uh, shout out to Manuel for trying to turn a positive spin on, on a really tough loss. Um, I, I'm sure that Bulls fan, I mean, even before we – you know, hopped on and started tonight's post game. People were in the comments. Obviously, people were upset tonight. Would have loved to win that one. It's not easy to win back to backs, and it's not easy to win on the road. And the Bulls almost tonight pulled off a win on the road on the second night of a back to back. You know, yeah, the, the Hawks were a shorthanded team. No Dejounte Murray. You know, they're they're missing pieces, just like the Bulls were missing Caruso, and then you know, uh, and I over the second half tonight. Any 
opportunities wins are so precious, especially when you're in the situation the Bulls find themselves now on the outside looking in the playoffs and a few games under 500 with a more favorable schedule than what you had to endure in November uh, and, and the first week of December. So obviously you're looking to try and get back on track with two very winnable games against the Knicks, both at home on Wednesday and on Friday. Uh, Charles with a super chat saying, uh, am I asking too much uh, if I want more from Zach? So, yeah, I mean, we, we talked earlier in tonight's show about Zach Levine and then he had a rough night, maybe some questionable shots in OT. I've, I'm still, I don't know about you guys. I'm still just trying to be patient with Zach and the situation that he was in to start this season. Because in this stretch of games, he has looked more like himself. He looked way more explosive attacking the rim at times tonight. He had a couple of dunks where it was back to the normal level of ease of Zach getting up and hammering down dunks, which like we didn't see for the first month of this season. He was gingerly trying to get to the basket and not being able to with much success because he did not have that lift, did not have that extra step, that burst or that force, but we started to see that in this recent stretch of games and his three is starting to come around again. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were questionable threes in OT. Maybe they're threes that you're, you're, you know, your max contract player and one of your two reigning all-stars should be taking and hopefully making in those, you know, close late game situations. I have seen more good from bad from Zach in this recent stretch to be worried about it more than I was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think you should be worried about it. It's not a thing. But to say you wanted more from him tonight, yeah, that's that's factual. I wanted more uh, from Zach tonight. Like, that's very, very fair to say. Uh, But everything you said, Matt, like, yes, is absolutely correct in in how I feel about him. Again, people were writing him off earlier in the season. No, this is not a need. This is just him. You know what I mean? All that money. This is just how he is. This is just what it's going to be. And we continue to tell you, like, no, bro, like, this is not him. Like, you can clearly see this is not the Zach Levine we've been watching for close to four or five years here. Like, that ain't who that is. Obviously, he's still working through it. When he got to the point where we saw him be comfortable, and it was when he started making those cuts. That's when you knew he was comfortable with it, when he started doing those step backs. You know, when he started going to the bucket with other moves other than the one he kept doing all season long, which is show you the ball and then lay it or – try to lay it up and try to draw a foul. When you started seeing those other things from Zach, that's when you knew he was back. The facilitating is also a part of that as well. I'm not saying he's a great one because he's not, but he's a solid one. He's he's cool. He can make those passes. Um, we saw it in that Dallas game for sure, him making, making some of those good passes. I, again, I still don't like him dribbling all the time. I'll, I'll never be a fan of that. Um, but Zach Levine is, is a really damn good basketball player. But yeah, I wanted more from him uh this evening because they needed it like you got to have him having you know matching demar not with 30 but if he's got 30 sometimes you got to have that 25 you know what i mean but i got i I guess zach has to find those moments mark you know where it's within the flow of the game you know to take those right shots you know and to do those right things and also i I really know that he just wants to get to the free throw line. You show you show Demar's numbers, look, fourteen to fifteen. The rest of the Bulls team was five of eight. You know what I mean? Like, like that's tough, bro. That is very very tough. And Zach Levine went to the line what twice? Like, yeah, it's 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 tough. And I know he wants to get those calls too. Because, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, he went to three times. Excuse me, three times, two or three from the uh, free throw line. But I know he wants to get those calls as well, and that's a part of it. But yeah, like. Like you said, man, I'm not too concerned about him. Yeah, and look, this is my issue with the Zach conversation or narrative, uh, and it's twofold. So for, for, the, for the first one, so like last season, we didn't speak enough about the fact that this dude was playing hurt for half of the season. We didn't celebrate that enough. Like that's, I don't live in Chicago. I'm not from Chicago, but my understanding of what Chicago is, you guys enjoy that blue-collar toughness mindset. Zach playing on that bum knee for half a season to me is exactly like that. That is a winning player from that perspective. Now, yep. given he was willing to do that for half a fucking year, why can't we allow this guy more than two months to get back from injury? That's a fundamental. I have a, a problem that I have with this whole entire conversation that we don't give him any credit 
or very little credit for playing through an injury. But then the moment when he's trying to come back, we're on his case. That annoys me. The other thing that really irritates me about this whole Zach conversation as well is we're very, very, very quick to jump on when he does something wrong, whether that's in a specific game or whether it's over a trend of games, whatever the situation may be. We're very quick to get on it. And, you know, fine. There's going to be examples when we should, as we've highlighted tonight. There's going to be possessions here and there where we should be critical. But very rarely do we celebrate his successes. Very rarely do we point out the good things that he does. Last night, he was whipping passes around, passes that we have very rarely seen from Zach that showed some sort of progress in terms of what he can be as a playmaker. I mean, you referenced it then, Dave, and and this is maybe something that I need to be better at, and and I'm kind of annoyed at myself for not doing so. I should have been on post-game talking about that last night and said I I missed it. So maybe this is on me as well, that I need to be talking about this more and rather than just sort of overlooking it or whatever the situation may be. But those two things... Like going into the, the Zach conversation, those two things annoy me. So I'm already getting into this conversation where I'm, I'm entering to the, the Zach discussion with just that that level of uh, inconsistency, with, which bothers me. So that when right. I arc up at like comments that I see about Zach did this, Zach did this, why is Zach doing this, $250 million this, that's where it annoys me because we're not being fair. We're not being consistent. We're not applying the same sort of logic to other players. It's very Zach-focused. And maybe he does deserve more uh, more weight in, in the arguments and the conversation, given that given his status on the team, his contract, those sorts of things. But I do still think the conversation is not weighted fairly. It won't probably ever will be. Zach carries this level of stigma for whatever reason. And it just, yeah, it fundamentally bothers me. It annoys me. I'm sorry, again, if I'm offending anyone by by saying that (laughs) no i mean i'm pretty much entirely with what you just said and i think what bulls fans don't do often enough is is zoom out to a a bigger picture with zach because all they're worried about is he doesn't look right i don't know if it's the knee or his head and his basketball iq but i'm worried about this i'm worried about that and we just signed him to this huge contract that's that's like the the micro version and the frustrated Bulls fans and those who don't believe in Zach. And just, I saw somebody just now ask, you know, the, like the, the bottom line question is like, do you think that Zach could be even the second best player on a championship caliber team? And whether or not you believe that personally? Yeah. I think Zach Levine could be the second best player on an NBA team. Best player. No, probably not, but that's okay. I think Bulls fans see the contract and think danger, danger, doom. He's not himself. He lost his burst. He's not great in late game decisions. You know, DeMar's the guy we trust. We don't trust Zach. And we just, you know, now we're just stuck with this guy on this huge contract. When they don't realize no one is ever stuck with NBA contracts. Everything is tradable. Every player is tradable. Every contract is tradable. The good thing that Bulls fans should be happy about is that Jerry Reinstorf, for the first time in his history as this team's owner, signed a dude to a contract that big. And maybe it means he's be, he'll be willing to do it again for someone who isn't Zach Levine or rebuilding and, re, you know, reconfiguring this roster around him. And guess what? The other part of the story that Bulls fans who hate on Zach and hate on the contract are missing, the cap's going up again. And it's going to go up again the year after that. And soon Zach's contract is going to look normal. It looks normal now because he's an all-star and that's what all-stars make. So many Bulls fans don't understand that. They just hear the phrase max player and compare what he's given them on the court to start this season coming back from an injury and say, that's not a max player. We're doomed. No, there's so many other pieces of context that go along with this that suggest the Bulls are not doomed because they signed Zach to that contract because they could trade him if they decide they want to trade him. His contract is not that big and it will look small by comparison when new contracts roll around with a higher salary cap. And for the love of God, this man was the most grossly underpaid player on his previous contract, grossly underpaid player on his previous contract because he was doing all-star things, making 17, 18 million, which is gross. Stop complaining about Zach's contract. I beg of you, please. That's it. Wait, that that was also... That was also a contract that people didn't want to give him either because they thought that was too much money as well. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. so we're, we're, over, we're over an hour. I, I didn't want to get into that, but, I mean, it's just – it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Mark. I think Bulls fans are always quick to judge Zach and, and never 
giving him credit when when they should. What what is this, <laughs> what, what is the pregame speech? The pregame speech. Come on, coach. Come on, coach. That positivity. Oh I my goodness. Ever since he came out that he don't eat meat and he's taking his AG greens, baby. Marquette <laughs> has been on positivity. It's just emanating from him, man. Oh, yes. I love it. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, all right. That's it. We're out of time. Everybody enjoy the rest of your Sunday night and enjoy the start to your week. We are off on Monday. We'll be back in studio Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I believe 4.30 Chicago time, 5.30. We'll give you an update. Uh, but yeah. We'll be in studio Tuesday with a special guest, mm. our, our guy, Jimmy from UK Chicago Bulls, who is still here in Chicago. Mark, he yeah. beat to the punch. The international Bulls fan who made the trip before you did. It's okay. You'll get your turn in March. But we're going to have yeah, Jimmy yeah, yeah, from UK yeah. Chicago Bulls in studio with us on Tuesday. So excited about that. So excited to meet him, hang out with him, uh, and hear all about this this awesome trip he's had in Chicago as a diehard Bulls fan thus far. Um, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter. MK Hoops is Mark. Big Dave is Bow. BAWL Sports on Bulls ah. underscore Pact. Our producer is Joey Spathis. He is at Joey Spathis. We are CHO underscore Bulls. Don't forget to get your tickets to that CHGO Bulls takeover and hit that thumbs up thumbs up button before you head out of here. Uh, and get all of our great stuff at allchgo.com, merch, articles, and more. Gentlemen, have a great night. Everybody out there in Bulls Nation, we will talk to you on Tuesday. For Joey, Mark, and Big Dave, I'm Peck. Appreciate you. See you right. Be good. Hey, Will. <laughs>